come to Exposit the Truth, where it's all about the clear understanding of the living Word of God and how to apply it to everyday life. All right, here we are with this lesson on how to become a new creation. How to become a new creation. So once a believer accepts Christ into their life, it is then the beginning of becoming transformed and becoming spiritually reborn. Remember in John chapter 3, he says you have to become what? Born again. Um, spiritually, right? So you're not living for your flesh anymore. You are now living for your spirit, which has been made alive truly through Christ, through true repentance, and accepting him as your savior and to follow him the rest of your days on this life. That's the beginning of the transformation. And so now it's all about becoming a new creation. You have at that point, if you truly accepted him as your savior and chose to deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow him, put off the old self and put on the new self. Uh, there's three key points to putting on the new self and what that means. What does that mean? Right. Number one, the realization of our sin and how broken we are becomes true and evident in our lives. The brokenness is revealed by the sin we have, uh, that we and we must respond by dying to our sin in which we were all born with. All right, you, you and you wonder if you're wondering what all this is all the sin thing about. What does that mean? Uh, we will cover it. It covers in Colossians chapter three in detail. Uh, what is sin all about, right? Sin is a nutshell and a disobedience to God's commands. It's a deep in living for your flesh of, you know, immorality, lying, stealing, cheating, and etc. Uh, so in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Okay? Uh, so we are all born with sin automatically. Alright? It's not a a single mistake that you made, some kind of isolated event that you did, we are all born with sin. And we have to put that to death. Okay? Number two, we fight the fight of the spiritual battle against our flesh, right? That wants to constantly sin. Uh, so against our flesh, our feelings, desires, and ambitions. The battle against the sin of in our flesh becomes a reality. Right? You... Your eyes are opened to it, right? You realize it now, that there is a spiritual battle going on. Uh, it is not fiction or something to be ignored. Uh, this sin or the sin in us separates us from God. That's what separates from a holy, perfect God. And if we choose to live in it, um, he, he has no choice but to separate us, right? He made a way for us and give us free will. Should we be willing uh, to stop sin, turn away, repent, right? That's what it means to repent. Turn away, turn your life around. And uh, he called us to live in a life of holiness, not happiness. So a lot of people, especially in the charismatic movement, uh, name it, claim it, all this nonsense garbage that's completely unbiblical. Um, it's not about your happiness. It's about holiness, and you have to reject a lot of your own feelings and, and your own happiness if you are to live a holy life, right? For a holy life. 
in God's commands. God never once taught us to live for happiness or our feelings. I mean, now that doesn't mean we can't have a successful career or accomplish goals or have, you know, happiness uh, at all. Of course, that's not what it means. But they are not the top priority in life. That's what that means, right? A lot of people want to live for only that. They want to live for their happiness. They want to live for their feelings. But if you are truly born again and spiritually reborn, those things are not your priority anymore. They are not. Glorifying God and living for His kingdom become the priority, not worldly possessions. And number three, if the Christian truly confesses with their mouth and believes with their heart that Christ is Lord, and reigns over them in their life, in every avenue, they will love the Lord putting any selfish thoughts and desires aside and replacing them with God's word and commands. Jesus makes that clear in John 14. If you love me, keep my commands. All right, so with that said, let's dive into scripture. Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 17. Put on the new self. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, What is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, meaning you want the things that you don't have, right? You want more, right? Uh, Which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked, past tense, right? He's talking to believers, right? You once walked, past tense. When you were living in them, But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. So the NIV puts it in a good way. It says filthy language, right? All kinds of filthy language. If you're, you know, cursing uh, and using filthy language, uh, those are one of the first things that should be removed with how you speak. Because you should be in control over your body, your mouth, and your thoughts, not it controlling you. People who live in sin have no control over themselves and to sin. The sin controls them. That is why curse words come out of them because they are a slave to sin. They have no control over the sin. The true believer has control over the sin, therefore they have self-control. In 1 Corinthians 13, it tells us the definition of love. Uh, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. All right, so continuing back to verse uh, 8. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, 
as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So a lot, of, a lot to unpack there. All right, 17 verses. Um, verse 1, uh, it says, when he says, since, right? Since that is, uh, since you have been raised, let me read it again. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So the word since in that verse, uh, this verb actually means to be co-resurrected. Because of their union with Christ, believers spiritually entered his death and resurrection at the moment of their conversion and have been and are now alive in him so as to understand spiritual truths, realities, blessings, and the will of God. Verse 2. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So when it says set your minds, this can also be translated to think or have this inner disposition. Uh, as a compass points north, uh, the believer's entire disposition should point itself toward the things of heaven. Heavenly thoughts can only come by understanding heavenly realities from Scripture. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. So we're talking about put to death, therefore, this refers to a conscious effort to slay the remaining sin in our flesh. Uh, verse 6, the wrath of God. Um, let me read the verse again. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. So what is the wrath of God in this context? It is his constant and variable reaction to sin. This expression designates unbelievers as bearing the very nature and character of the disobedient, rebellious sinfulness that they love. Uh, verse 8, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Once again, cursing, you know, using a lot of curse words in your language. Got to put that away. So put away, the Greek word used for taking off clothes. Uh, like those who remove their dirty clothes at the day's end, believers must discard the filthy garments of their old sinful lives. Verse 9, Put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self. The old person died in Christ and the new person lives in Christ because that is the fact of new creation or regeneration. Believers must put off remaining sinful deeds and be continually renewed into the Christ likeness to which they are called. Renewed knowledge, renewed in knowledge in this verse, uh, that is the new that the new self is complete and has the capacity to grow a deep thorough knowledge without which 
there can be no spiritual growth or renewal. All right, so to sum it up, it may seem overwhelming when you see the list of righteousness versus sin, and some may say it is not so easy. That sounds impossible. Uh, well, it's not impossible, it's de- but it's definitely not easy. And so if you're thinking it's not easy, that's correct. Um, if you've been through any kind of big accomplishment in your life, you understand that there has to be sacrifice. There has to be um, many parts in your life that you have to give up and focus on the prize, on the goal to achieve that goal, right? And there is a cost. Everything has a cost. Remember what Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. That's in Matthew 7. When you think about it, seeking the fast and easy way never produces anything good. Think of how an amazing entree is prepared. Is it amazing because all the ingredients are unprepared, unseasoned, uncooked, and just randomly thrown together? Of course not. You know, you know, if you watch anybody cook um, or any of the cooking shows, like the competition cooking shows, you know that is far from the truth. There is so much energy, effort, time, detail, creativity that goes into making this wonderful entree. And we're talking about presentation. We're talking about the taste, right? Uh, the texture. I mean, every single thing about every kind of single detail you can think about it. And we're talking about food. And this is just food we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, a person's life and how they live and how they conduct themselves and how they control themselves and what comes out of them and what words that come out of them, what thoughts come out of them. It goes on and on. And so that's a good example um, of how it's never about the easy way. Uh, There is an easy way, and that's the way that leads to destruction. Uh, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And who find it are few. Those who are willing to d- deny themselves, right? And be persecuted, right? And follow Jesus. So it is with our walk with Christ. We pay attention to the details of, this, of His Word. We obey His Word. And yes, put forth the time, energy, details, and desires to live our new self, a transformed life in Christ Jesus, uh, a transformed life as a new creation. So here's a response. When I examine myself, is there evidence that I am a new creation? Is there an old version of me and a new version of me? How am I living different after I accepted Christ Jesus into my life? The Christian is not numb to sin, but fully aware of it and how it destroys those who are slave to sin. The true believer is not perfect, but by any means, but continues to sin less as they grow in spiritual maturity. The professing believer never stops sinning, has zero transformation, and being numb to sin, they don't even care to acknowledge it. So with that said, now you know a little bit more about how to become 